Well, hello, church. How's everyone doing today? Good. Everyone feeling alive? Feeling good? Brant, would you mind throwing the, that light on back there? Welcome to Church Project. If this is your first time here, uh, I got to tell you, it, it, you're going to enjoy it yourself. Uh, wh- what we do is we go through the Bible. We've been going through Luke for a very long time, and now we've just entered chapter 11. Can you believe that? Chapter 11, we're in chapter 11 of Luke, and we're going to keep going through this. We're in no rush. We feel like God has shown us some very, very cool stuff about who He is. One of the reasons that as Church Project, we're, we're a pretty new church, and one of the reasons we chose to go through the book of Luke first was because Luke was very articulate in painting a picture of who Jesus is. And so as a church, don't you think it's a good, good idea to start off with the best book we can find about who Jesus is so we can start our path just like that? Well, we've just hit chapter 11. So if you need a Bible, there's a Bible over here on the lamp. There's some uh, maybe under your chairs or back there. But everyone, you need to have a Bible in front of you. I tell you, if you don't have $5 to spend on a Bible on your own, uh, take one of ours. It's, it's our gift to you. We just believe that everything rises and falls off of the scripture and God's word. And so you guys ready to go into Luke chapter 11 today? Yeah. If you were here last week, um, that was a gift. Uh, Professor Dr. Craig Smith came from Denver Seminary and and spoke on what I I believe was one of the most powerful passages um, in the Bible, and especially when we're looking at Mary and Martha and talking about bitterness. And so if you weren't here last week, go listen to the podcast. It's 55 minutes long, and it'll feel like 10 minutes because it's just that good. And so that was last week. Well, this week, I'm not going to go 55 minutes long. I'm just not that smart, okay? But we are going to go through this, and we're going to We're going to pick this apart. I'm excited to share what God has for us this morning. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Let me read through it first, and then we'll go back through and talk talk through this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Verse 2, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not eat, get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How many of you have read this passage before? How many of you are, are kind of familiar with this passage? This is a, this is a very good passage. It's, it's a passage that um, a lot of our Christianity stuff is built off of. And there's, there's a passage here where the Lord's Prayer comes about in this section. And so a lot of us are familiar with this passage. As I began to look through this and I began to pray through it, in verse 1, something jumped off right away for me. One day Jesus was... One day, Jesus was praying. This isn't a new uh, concept. As we've been going through Luke, Luke has talked about Jesus praying in multiple ways. If, we, if you want to think back and maybe even flip back through your Bible and think about this, but we saw Jesus in Luke chapter 3, 21. He, he's baptized, and then he what? Prays. He goes into the wilderness in Luke five sixteen, and he prays. In Luke 6, 12, he's up on a mountain all night, and what's he doing? He's, he's praying. In verse 9, 18, Jesus goes off alone to what? To pray. Again, on another mountain, in, in Luke 9, 28, Jesus is praying, the Mount of Transfiguration. Here again, we see Jesus praying. Do you, do you see the pattern here? Do you see what's happening here? There's a, there's a verse in Psalms that I love. And maybe, you can, maybe this resonates with you a little bit. Okay, maybe. Psalms 34, 6 says this. Poor man cried, the poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. What is praying? What is, what is talking to God? What, what is it? We see Jesus doing it multiple times right here. We see the importance of it. Again, he's doing it. And in Psalms, it says the poor man cries to God and God hears him. Do you pray? Do you believe that there's power in prayer? Well, Jesus has shown us multiple times that the power doesn't come from anything except keeping our eyes focused on who Jesus is. Getting away with him and praying with him and talking with him. Some of us, we can say we've been Christians for an extremely long time, for years, for most of our life maybe. And some of us, we may have fallen into just this numb prayer. And the numb prayer is, God, thank you for my life and thank you for today. Amen. Have you fallen into a numb prayer? We see Jesus in the pattern right here. He never falls into a numb prayer. It's passionate inside him. It's communicating with his father. It's getting his attention lined up with what God has for his life. Do you pray? And if so, is it numb or is it alive in you? Well, we look at this. On one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us. Now, this prayer that we just read right here, this Lord's Prayer, or we'll call it the Disciples' Prayer, because it's really more the Disciples' Prayer than the Lord's Prayer, is also found in Matthew. It's in Luke. And this prayer oftentimes has been taken as a word for word. Literally, every time I pray, this is how I should pray, and I shouldn't really deviate from that. However, I got a problem with that, because even if you look over in Luke, it's not the same word for or Matthew. It's not the same word for word prayer. So this isn't a recite prayer. This isn't a memorize and say this prayer over and over and over again and don't deviate from it. It's an example of how we should pray. There's, there's a lot of things that are happening right, there, right at this time when Jesus is teaching. He's teaching his disciples. 
the Jews have, have experienced a lot of life and they have a lot of rituals to this time. In fact, there's a prayer, and I'll totally uh, I'll, I'll mispronounce it, but go with me here. It's called Shemanu Esrei. Okay, anyone know? You probably, I probably completely butchered it. Uh, but basically it's this. It's a prayer, and that, that word really means 18. That's what that word means. And it's a prayer that was a very ritualistic prayer that Jewish people would go through. And this was their prayer. It, it, it was everything. This prayer, and still today you'll find this prayer in a lot of Jewish synagogues. This prayer. So some of us, I don't know if you've grown up Christian or it's your first time to church, welcome. Some of us have grown up in Catholic or, or other, other scenarios where we have got to recite prayers word for word. And the things where it was such a beautiful beginning and the context is beautiful and the words are beautiful becomes this numb, ritualistic, non-meaningful prayer. So the disciples, they're following Jesus. They're seeing him do all sorts of incredible things. And they know that John, John had disciples. And when John, John was with his disciples, John taught his disciples how to pray. And so the disciples look at Jesus and they're like, give us this ritualistic, give us this component, give us this one plus one equals two prayer. Like, give us this prayer because it's part of our past and it, it makes us be part of something bigger than just us individually, but brings us into something bigger, which is the body of Christ. So Jesus looks at them, and he goes, you want to know how to pray? All right. I'll give you the pattern of how to pray. I'll give you that, I won't try that word again, but I'll give you that prayer that the Jewish people have had for so long. I'll give you the pattern to praying. And here it is. And he begins to go into this. What I like about this is the disciples, they're not just asking just because they want to check something off their list. The disciples are asking Jesus because they followed him. They've had a relationship with him. It's, it's intimate, and, and they love that. They want to emulate Jesus. They have passion, and they're going to their teacher, and they're saying, teacher, teach us how to pray because we want to pray like you, and we want to live life like you. What I think is, is kind of weird, and I'll give a shout out because we have a few people that listen to this on podcasts from Texas. And if you're from Texas, anyone from Texas? Raise your hand in here. Okay. This is, this is the only place in the Bible where I can say that God loves Texas people. And it's, and it's right here because they say, how do we pray? And God says, all right, when you pray, um, say this, okay? And he says, when you pray, if you look at that, the you is not when you singular pray, but when you plural pray, when you as a church, when we as the church plural pray. So he's basically saying when y'all pray, right? Okay. When y'all pray, you'll never hear me say that again, Jeremy. All right. Give me a courtesy laugh or something, bro. That's terrible, man. When all y'all pray, all right, there you go. When all y'all pray, okay, so there's a Texas love. You're welcome, Texas people, okay? Church, pray like this. And this is what Jesus begins to say, and this is how he begins to teach. And this, guys, wake up. Are you too tired? Is it too hot in here? If so, stand up, shake around, go outside, wake up. Because I think that this is what God wants to show us here this morning. How do we pray, Jesus? Well, when you pray, this is how you pray. Pray your story. Pray your heritage. Pray your experience. This is a prayer of the Lord's people following Jesus on a kingdom journey. Think about this. 
It's a prayer of the past. It's a prayer of the present. And it's a prayer of the future. The disciples say, how do we pray? And Jesus goes through a pattern, which we're going to walk through here in a minute, that says this, pray your story. What's your story? It's not ritualistic, bland words that mean nothing, but it's a story and it's a passion. And so church, how do we pray? Let's, let's look through this, okay? In verse 2, he says, he says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed in heaven, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. The first part of that is, Father, hallowed be your name. If you know much about the Bible, you know that there was a people, the Israelites, and they were in slavery. And then along comes God to rescue them. And God in the Bible speaks, and you can look in Exodus 4.22, and God says, Israel is my firstborn son. Israel is my firstborn son, and they are being held captive. And so along comes a liberating king, and he says, I am bringing you life, I am bringing you bread, I'm bringing you deliverance from the powers of darkness. Israelites, you're no longer going to be kept captive, but I'm going to set my people free. I'm going to be a father to the nation of Israel. Israel. And so from the very beginning, we see, we begin our prayer and it's, Father, hallowed be your name. We can fast forward a little bit more and what do we see? We see Jesus, the Son of God. And what is he doing? He's marching to Jerusalem on behalf of God and, and, and his name. And to this point, God's name has been drugged through the mud by so many people. But yet we see Jesus marching to Jerusalem on behalf of the holy God to set a people straight. Father, hallowed be your name. As we pray. Do you begin your prayers with, Father, hallowed be your name. God, you are holy. God, you are perfect. See, there's a t-shirt that came out a while ago, and there's a saying that came out a while ago, and I got to say from the very beginning, I didn't like it. If you have one, then sorry. (laughs) Jesus is my homie. Doesn't sit well with me. I get the concept but it doesn't sit well with me at all. Jesus is not our homie. Jesus is our God. Jesus is our Father. Think of 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and with respect. So we can think of the Bible and we think of the Israelites who are slaves. Along comes their father and sets them free. Jesus marches to Jerusalem on behalf of God to set a people free. What's your story? What's your story? Are you set free in the person of Jesus Christ? See, this prayer starts, it's pray our story. Pray our story. Father, hallowed be your name. Can you cry out to God and say, God, thank you. Your name is holy. You are set apart. You've set me free. You see how Jesus is so brilliant here. He's saying, pray your, pray your story. Pray your past, your present, your future. Pray what's good. Pray what's right. He has set you free. 
He has set us free if we can call him Father. And our deal, our challenge, our whatever it may be, is to gaze our eyes upon him and not upon man. To keep our face on Jesus and say, Father, hallowed be your name. He's not our homie. So let's look at it some more. He said to them when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. There's so much in here, but look at this. Your kingdom come. Give us our bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us away from temptation. If you look at the story, go back to the Israelites. What did they do as they had the exodus? They, they were going, and they were going because Jesus was taking them to a new kingdom, a long-awaited kingdom. And it's easy for us to think of life as temporary and today because this is our flesh and I know what I'm going to do today and it's easy to be caught up in the temporal. When God's calling us to the eternal, he's saying the temporal kingdom today, what we've set up today will only last today. But I'm calling you to a kingdom, a kingdom that's beyond today, a kingdom that had no beginning and has no end, a kingdom that is forever. That's what I'm calling you to. And yet, sometimes, if you're like me, you get caught up in the temporal today, the luxury of today, or in my case, the comfort of today. Anyone else get stuck there? So if we're praying our story, we're saying, God, Father, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, God. Your purpose, your kingdom, your will in my life. Not my temporary, not today. But God, may I keep my eyes focused on you. Are you tracking? This is good stuff. Then he says, then he says, go, he goes through here and says, give us today our daily bread. He provided what? He provided the Israelites with food. Did he not? As they marched off into the wilderness, into the desert. Did he not? How many of you are alive today? Raise your hand. Very cool, Mandy. I didn't see your hand. Okay. We're alive. I think there's one thing that you can say to this point. God has provided you a daily bread. You're alive. Pretty good start, won't you say? We're alive. God has provided us with everything that we need for the journey already. I even got new shoes today. These are good looking shoes. Like I'm alive. I have bread. I even have more than bread. God, thank you for this. And he says, take one day at a time, Aaron. Take one day at a time. If I, if I deviate your plans tomorrow, sorry, but I might do that. And if I do that, trust in me. Trust in me because I'm going to provide for you no matter what. Think back in your life. Can you think of times when you thought I'm not going to make it through today? This week, this year, yet we did. God provides. He provides our daily bread. Let's ask him for our daily bread. Never just fully expect it like a greedy kid that's like, give give me my bread. But God, give us today our daily bread. And are you content with just that? Luke 12.22 says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Sometimes I think I worry about a lot of things that never actually happen. Is that, is that like you? I can stay up at night worrying about things that just never even happen. See, God says, basically, chill out, y'all. I said y'all again. Sorry. I've got this. Trust me. Are you? Do we? 
He provided bread for the Israelites for their journey, and he's providing bread for our journey today. And he has all along. Thank you, God. God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you. Your kingdom come. God, thank you for the bread today. And God, lead us away from sin and temptation. Israel was forgiven and they entered the promised land. They were forgiven from their sin. Is you, is your journey that you're forgiven of sin? I hope so. That means you've asked God to forgive you and he's faithful and just and he will forgive you. And we walk in a relationship with him. And we keep in mind that the kingdom in this journey is about him and it's not about us. Israel is forgiven from sin and they entered the promised land. We are forgiven and we are commanded to forgive other people. I'm going to say that last part again because some of you may be holding a grudge against somebody. We're commanded to forgive other people. Should I say it one more time? We're commanded to forgive other people. See, God loves us, and he forgave us. He took the Israelites, messed up group of people, wandering around, complaining, sinning all over the place. He forgave them, and and they entered into the promised land. He's done the same in our life. Every one of us has done something that goes against the love of God, and he has forgiven us, and he loves us. That's good stuff. So your kingdom come, God, give us our, our bread for today. Lead us away from sin and temptation. Temptation, Ephesians six twelve is a great verse that uh, some of us may need to memorize. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Here it is. Everything boiled down to this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against principalities. And spirits, it's a, it's a spiritual battle that's going on all around us all the time. And so our prayer as we're, as we're praying our journey is that God, please keep us away from temptation because Satan wants to kill us, destroy us. He wants to take everything that's right away from us and he will do it deceptively. One day we'll look up and we'll realize that sin took us further than we wanted to go. Made us pay more than we wanted to pay and made us stay longer than we wanted to stay. Satan will do that and it will give him great pleasure. And you'll see his smirky smile when he takes you out and kills you and destroys you. That's why we ask and we pray, God, lead us away from temptation because it's there. And let us keep our eyes focused on you. Are you focusing on the person of Jesus Christ? Are you focusing on God? If we take our eyes off of Jesus, temptation comes. And when temptation comes, we're done. This prayer right here at large is praying our story. And it's continued reliance on God and his care. Think back to your story. You were captive. And when you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Israelites, we were set free. We were brought into a new kingdom. And that is beautiful stuff. And when we pray this prayer as a prayer of our past and our present and our future, no longer can it just be words that go off our lips, but it's a passionate life prayer that comes from a heart that's changed. Are you praying this prayer of remembrance and dependence on God? May we never forget where we've come from. A people separated from the love of God. And may we never think that we don't need God and we're not dependent on him. Always pray this prayer of remembrance and dependence. You know what this boils down to me? This is me. This prayer 
boils down, and a lot of life's problems boil down to me because I have a perspective problem. It's easy for me to pray this Lord's Prayer with a numb heart, forgetting about where I've come from or where God's taken me. I have a perspective problem. If you remember in your prayer where you've come from, and you remember that God is our Father and He loves us and He's forgiven us and has set us free, if you remember that in your prayer and your communion and your talking with God, none of your words can be numb and flavorless. Yet when we have the wrong perspective, the dark is darker, isn't it? Pain is unbearable when we have the wrong perspective. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, the system begins to break down because pride begins to creep up in us and Satan begins to deceive us. And Jesus knows that we have a perspective problem. And so then in this passage, he takes us into a parable. He says this, the disciples come to him and say, God, how do we pray? He says, you pray like this. You pray your story. And he gives us that example. And then he takes us into this parable to help us through this. Because perspective is one of our biggest problems and our biggest struggles. So, let me, let me, let me say it like this. Forgive me because it's football season. Forgive me if you're a Seahawks fan. I think we have one in here, Carl. Anyone else, Seahawks, you going for it? Okay, Karen. All right. Last week was a great game, right? The Seahawks and whoever they played. Four, 40, 49ers. But now Sherman is pretty infamous, isn't he? Why is he infamous? His mouth, <laughs> yeah, his mouth, like he went, he went off. If you've watched the YouTube videos or you saw the interview, like he just, he just went off. And what should have been probably one of the, the coolest, like exciting moments of his life, probably has brought some of the most biggest regrets on his life. Like, man, why didn't I just shut up, you know? And so this super, super high, high of, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl is probably now keeping him awake at night just saying, why did I, why didn't I just shut up? Like all this, all week long, he's had to have been dealing with this. But this is us. This is us every single time. This is us. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we start to begin and boast and, and who we are and our pride. And we begin to live our life our way. We take the focus off of the team. And that was the biggest thing that Sherman did wrong. As he spoke in me about me and look at me, look how great I am all along. Their team had just won this incredible game. And yet Christians, we do this all the time. Look at me, 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 me. And all along Jesus is saying, look at this team and look at this game that we have. Keep focused. Don't be deceived. Your perspective will kill you if it gets off wrong. And he goes into this parable. The parable, let me read through it because I'm just going to read through it one more time and I'll let you kind of pick it apart on your own. There's so much that we could pick apart on here. But I've got a few things I want to say. So let me read through the parable, starting in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine is on, on a journey has come to me and I, don't have, and, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you needed. If you were here last week, 
we, we, uh, Dr. Craig Smith did a great job as to highlighting what hospitality meant in the ancient times. Hospitality was everything. Hospitality was so big. Hospitality um, was, was something that was almost a, a covenant. Like you do this. When you have a guest that comes into your house, you do everything to support that guest and to give that guest the best of, of everything that you can. And so here in this parable, we see that, that this man comes, a friend comes, and he has a duty because he has to ha- be hospitable to his friend. And, and the friend comes late at night. This man has no bread. Well, you got to feed a hungry guest, right? So in the middle of the night, we see this friend going to another house and knocking on the door. The guy inside says, go away. You're bothering me. Like, seriously, go away. This time, the homes, basically everyone slept in one room right in front of the door. And so to wake up would mean to wake up all my friends and servants and everything else. Like, like this, is, this is a problem. How many of you would like to be w- woken up at midnight because I want a piece of bread? Any of you kind of like that? Well, this is what's happening right here. The kids are down, they're sleeping, and along comes his friend saying, give us bread. And, and the, the man inside is getting a little bit disturbed or whatever. But he, here's the deal. What happens is, why did this guy go to this house? Probably because this man may have been a wealthier man. And so the probability of him, him having extra bread is probably the best more than anyone in the village. So he goes there, which, by the way, are we using our wealth to... Uh, Show people the love of God, using everything that we have to show people the love of God? I hope so. That was a little side note. Then, then we get to verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. What Jesus is teaching us here, he's saying in this whole passage, pray your story. You've been redeemed. Awesome. Don't lose that passion. In fact, we enter into this parable. Pray with passion. And pray over and over and over again. God is a good God. He wants to hear you. Some of you, some of us in this room, we think that we've sinned too much or we're too far from God. And he doesn't hear us. Like he's a holy God. And if he knew all the sin that was in our life, he'd be embarrassed. And, and we're carrying this shame. And Hebrews ten nineteen is for you. Because we are given confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. There's no one in here that is far enough from God that he can't hear us. And in fact, like this imperfect man in the parable who was getting a little mad because his friend was knocking on the door, what did the friend do? He eventually got up because he had to. And he eventually gave food because he had to, right? But he still did it because the guy was knocking at the door so audaciously loud in the middle of the night. But that's just a stupid man. Think about God in that place. He's waiting in that room. He's waiting for us to come and knock on the door. He's there with all his arms, with all the loaves of bread. He's there with everything. He's given everything. He's given Jesus as a bread of life for us. And he's waiting in that room. He's saying, come knock on my door at midnight and at 1 o'clock and at 1.30. Come knock at any time over and over again. I am there. I love you. See, what was duty for the man in the parable is passion and pleasure for God in our life. 
Some of us, I know a few of us are going through James right now, and it's beautiful. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Do you lack wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. Do you, act, do you lack patience? Ask God for patience. Boldly go to our Father and knock on the door saying, God, I am struggling with depression. I am struggling with whatever it may be. God, I need you. I want to focus my eyes on you. And Jesus is sitting there so excited and so receptive. And God is saying, thank you. Thank you. Knock, knock, knock. Be audacious. The door will be open. Child, I love you. Keep your eyes focused on me. I am the source of life. I am the source of everything. <laughs> if man will honor you out of duty, God who loves you will, will, will honor you as he waits. And he waits for us. And he wants to pour his love on us. I want to wrap everything up with one verse. Isaiah 64, 8. Any of you know this? It's what it says. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves us. Are we being soft clay in his hands so he can mold our lives? Are we letting guilt or pride or frustration or perspective get in the way of going to our father and talking with him, praying to him over and over again? He finds great joy in that. Don't let Satan deceive you to the point where you pray meaningless, flavorless, dull, passionless prayers. I'm not sure what God was able to show you during this, looking through these 13 verses. I say it all the time, I'm going to say it again. This is just what I've been able to, to come up with this week, and I feel like it's really, really good stuff. Tomorrow morning, you can, you can learn twice as much in this same passage just by going and opening your Bible and saying, God, show me something in this passage. You see, I believe the Church of America, we're going to begin to see more and more persecution. Don't know if you agree with me. Just my opinion. I can't back it up biblically. I can just look around America and I can just see that we are a people that I believe are going to see more and more persecution. It's going to be harder and harder for the Church of America to do this, to meet corporately. But I don't think this is the strength of our church anyways. I mean, this is great. I love Sunday mornings. I love seeing people come. And I want to see more and more people come. Because we get to whisper the secrets of God to each other. We get to encourage each other and celebrate who he is. And we get to learn his Bible. But I don't believe that this is the ultimate strength of the church. The ultimate strength of the church is when we're meeting in house churches. When we're meeting and we're whispering things in the secret of what God's doing. And so if persecution comes and this building is blown up, who cares? How can you kill something that is so organic that you can't even say where it came from. 
church. Our strength is in the secret that's planted in your heart. That's where our strength is. You can't kill that. You may be able to hinder our gathering, but you cannot kill the love of God that comes right here. So tomorrow morning, don't act like this message is going to feed you enough to get through this next week. Tomorrow morning, tonight, pick up your Bible, begin to read it, begin to study, and God will show you some incredible things. We talk about house church a lot here because I think that's the church, the church history as we go forward is going to be the strength of church at large. So, house church this Friday. We're going to talk about this same passage, pray over it, think about it, study it, show up on Friday ready to talk about this, and we can learn together more about what God has shown us in this passage. If you don't know about our house churches, you can go to our website and find out when and where we're meeting. Um, so, that's that. Hey, I want to ask us right now just to, just to have a, a time of reflection. And so, if you would, just close your Bibles. Maybe just close your eyes. I think God would have spoken to each and every one of us differently. And so I'm not sure what that is for you. But I want to ask us a couple questions. And maybe something that God is doing in your heart, you're ready to respond to right now. So if you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you. Just put your palms in the air and just say, God, I receive whatever it is that that you're showing me, what you're teaching me, what you're growing in me right now. I receive it. And God, I give you all of my discontent. I give you my bad perspectives. I give you all that stuff that's just not right. I give that to you. God, I breathe that out, but I breathe you in. Just take a couple breaths and picture that. Picture breathing out the bad and breathing in Jesus and who he is. Say, God, I receive you today. Here's a couple questions to think about as we meditate on God. Are you remembering, are we remembering where we came from? Because we came from broken devastation. May we never forget that. May we never overlook the love, the ultimate love that God has done for us in our life. He sent his son to die on a cross because of our sin and our wrong. And if you've called on his name... You're a child of a king. A child of a king. And we've done nothing except surrendered our life to him. Someone asked that basic question. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Said, God, I call on you. I give you my life today. If you've never done that, I ask in this place, why not? If you've never made... God, the center of your life, do that today. Just hand him your life in your hands. Say, God, here's my hands. Here's my life. Here's my heart. Here's my head. Here's everything. God, I give it to you. I want to live my life for you. Thank you for forgiving me of all the sin and all the junk. And God, thank you for making me a child of a king. Here's another question. Can you call God Father, can you call him Lord in your life? Or are you saying, God, I got this. Thanks thanks for the help, though. I got it. Let's just 
going to be a matter of time until you crash and burn. Is your perspective and vision fixed on him and on him alone? And in this place, I want to ask us another question that we can begin doing now. Are you talking with God? Are you relying on him? Are you asking of him? Maybe if there's something that you're struggling with or you, or you need help with or you need just God to intervene with, ask him, knock, just keep going. Be that audacious person that keeps going to God. He wants to hear you. He wants to talk with you, communicate with you. So in this place, there's no magical words. Just pray, pray where, where you've come from. Pray your story and pray passionately and openly to God. Just say, God, here it is and lay it out there for him. He wants to hear that and he wants to heal you of that. I'm going to ask all of us in this room, if you would, just stand. In your chair is a, is a response card. If you would like, you can write your, your name, number, your prayer request, whatever in there, and put it in our offering box over here. We'd love to pray with you in that. But beyond that, in this moment right now is what I pray most for. And that's for you to respond to what God's doing in your heart. To hear something and to be prodded is one thing, but to respond on that is a completely different thing. So in this room, we have Brent, we have Shannon over here to the front right. If there's something that I just, I want prayer over, I need help with, or you want to talk with someone, they're up here and we would love to pray with you. If not, where you're at, just pray, just talk with God. Go through some worship songs, we'll praise his name because he's worthy of being praised.